welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. Also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great articles, videos, podcasts, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. We're going to be joined by Aaron Suttles of The Athletic as we are continuing on our Tuesday's preview of all of Arkansas's SEC football opponents. He was joining us on the Morning Rush this morning. Great interview and great insight to what Alabama is trying to do in the upcoming season, as well as the matchup against Arkansas. So we'll talk about that with him. And uh, we'll also get into some news of the NCAA and one of the rules that they're looking into to try to improve the whole ordeal of student athletes and payments and all of that fun stuff, which I think is actually steps in the right direction. But I do want to start with the, the podcast with some good news dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks, and that is the addition of TJ Hammonds back on the team. I think I may have alluded to it uh, yesterday during the podcast, but TJ Hammonds, uh, running back for Arkansas, uh, was removed from the team this past semester. Now, it was never fully confirmed on what the issues were. Uh, some speculated that it had to do with academics and behavior issues, but it seems like that is all shored up. And DJ Hammonds announced via Twitter that he is officially back with the team and he is ready to roll in 2019, which is big news because let's be honest, anytime that you have this Razorback football team and knowing exactly what they have going against them, knowing exactly what they have to have going for them this year, player depth is always a plus. And it really made me think that once T.J. Hammonds got announced that he was coming back and looking at the running back position in general for Arkansas, you know, it's actually really good. I mean, if you really break it down, if you really look at it, Arkansas is in as good a position at the running back position that they have been in quite some time. Think about this depth. Think about this roster that they have right now for running back. You have Rakeem Boyd, which was a 1,000-yard type rusher. Uh, a guy that has two more years of eligibility, one of the few bright spots on the offense last year. You have Devwa Whaley, who was also a player that had some bright spots in his career at Arkansas. This is going to be his senior year upcoming. Uh, not saying that he's a game-breaker, the best running back of all time, but he was definitely a difference-maker on the team last year when he was on the field. And also, think about Chase Hayden, a player that doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. He's had to battle some injuries, but has also had a few bright spots here and there and really runs with purpose. And that's what you like to see out of a running back like him and a running back uh, of his size and his caliber. And then you have TJ Hammonds with the addition of him and how good it is to see not only him back with the team, but also uh, seeing exactly what he's going to be able and what he's going to be capable of uh, with this team and what they could do going forward. So, you know, all these things coming together, I think is really good. And it, and it just, I think the one thing that stands out to me too was that all run, all of these running backs, all four of these running backs I just mentioned were four-star athletes coming out of high school. Now, it doesn't mean anything because they're not high school anymore. But I think it does show that the running back position is one of the few positions that they didn't have a complete and utter failure and drop-off in recruiting even under Brett Bielema. I know that Rakeem Boyd is technically a Chad Morris player, but... The three other three running backs were Brett Bielma players. And they have stuck out with the team. They have tried to make the best of their situation. They didn't try transferring out like other players did. Uh, this is the place that they feel is best for their services. Even though they were recruited coming out of high school, that they could have gone to many other schools, and in a lot of cases, many other SEC schools. 
But honestly, folks, what it does is that it makes me a little bit optimistic about the possibility of what this team could do at the running back position. And not only just running the ball, but being multiple and having options with this running back crew, throwing screen passes, throwing quick flats or quick outs, uh, just getting the ball in space for these guys. Something that I think that the team really lacked last year and that a lot of people really, I wouldn't say overestimated, but they felt like the running backs couldn't really get anything going because of the weak offensive line, which I think that that's the case. I think that you can make a really good argument for it. But there were other factors too, let's be honest. There were other factors that, you know, it's when you have a team that obviously has some leadership or lack thereof, and some problems in the locker room and some cancers in the locker room, guys that don't want to go all in, it becomes problematic. And I think that most of those players have been weeded out, and most of those guys, for the better, uh, is going to work out for Chad Morris in this upcoming season. But running backs, I mean, they're, they've been good. They've always been good, and they're, I think they're going to continue to be good. And I really liked what they're going to be able to bring to the table in 2018. So really looking forward to that, really looking to see how it all plays out. And I think it'll be a great one for Arkansas. But it's just a matter of getting everyone healthy, getting everyone on the right page, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But either way, great news for Arkansas and great news for the Razorback football team and Chad Morris and getting T.J. Hammonds back into the mix. Let's see what he can do in 2019. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Aaron Suttles, who writes for The Athletic and covering Alabama. Aaron, really appreciate you joining us this morning, man. How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Uh, we're doing really well. And in fact, uh, anytime we get to talk a little SEC football, it's always a fun time. But in, instead, this time, since we're talking about Alabama, it hasn't really been that fun for Arkansas, at least, uh, since they have not won a game against the Crimson Tide since 2006. But uh, we'll just start here. Uh, with Alabama, knowing that they, they lost the national championship game to Clemson last year. And I'm sure that a, a lot of Alabama fans and the Alabama team themselves really motivated not only to get back to that point, but to win the game and win the championship this year. Just what's overall the feeling, the mood, the expectation of going into this season for Alabama football is the expectation to win the national championship and get revenge from last season against Clemson. I would say internally, yes. Um, but from a national perspective, I think for the first time in a long time, it's, there's starting to be questions asked, has Alabama been passed? And, and Clemson's obviously the hot story in college football right now and the way they won that national championship game, rightfully so. But, uh, yeah, Nick, Nick Saban has spoken several times this offseason about how he feels his team last year lost their humility after beating uh, LSU and Tiger Stadium 29 to nothing. I think there were some flaws in last year's team that were hidden, quite frankly, because Quentin Williams became the best defensive player in college football. Uh, he covered up a lot of a lot of problems in the secondary and the inside linebacker. And so he's gone. And uh, but, but overall, I think they feel better overall defensively this year than what they had last year. In fact, this year's secondary might be a strength. You might not find a better corner tandem in the country than Patrick Sertain Jr. And Trayvon Diggs. So I think they feel pretty good what they have on defense. Well, and defense has always been Nick Saban's wheelhouse. And last year, the conversation throughout the whole season, at least on this show for sure, was about the offense that Alabama had. I mean, just scoring at will. It seemed like Tua never threw a pass there in the fourth quarter for so long because they were just scoring so many points against opponents and really good opponents at times, too. And looking at this season with Tua returning, 
Is the offense going to be similar to what we saw last year? What does it overall look like as far as the players lost, players gained, and the fact that Tua's coming back can't hurt either? Well, the scary thing for you know defenses is that their skill positions are pretty much the same. I mean, they lose Damian Harris and, and Josh Jacobs, but other than that, and, and Irv Smith Jr., but other than that, everyone's back. All those wide receivers are back. Jerry Judy, who won the Bolitnikoff, is back. Henry Ruggs, who no one really talks about, who but is secretly one of the best receivers in the country. He's back. Devontae Smith is back. Jalen Waddle's back. Of course, two is back. And uh, and then they had just have more running backs coming in. They got uh, Najee Harris, former five-star kid from California. It's finally his turn. Brian Robinson. And they got a five-star kid coming in from ING Academy, Trey Sanders. So offensively, they're going to be loaded again. I do think there will be... I don't think the offense is going to change, and you'd be foolish to do so. You, you need to play to your players' strengths, and Alabama is a passing football team with the weapons they have. But I do think there's a desire probably when it calls for it that they, they'd be able to play power football running it. And there were times they struggled in short-yarded situations last year, and, and especially if you saw the red zone. Everybody remembers them getting blown out in the national championship game. What people forget is up until the fourth quarter, they were dominating the yardage. I mean, they, they marched up and down the field on Clemson. Mm-hmm. They just got in the red zone, couldn't run the ball, couldn't score. So I think there will be a replaced emphasis on, on power running, and I think they, they got an offensive line that can do that. But they're not going to be any wholesale changes just because, you know, two is a once-in-a-generation quarterback, and you got a wide receiving core that's probably the best in the country. Speaking with Aaron Suttles, Alabama beat writer for The Athletic right now on The Morning Rush. Aaron, just looking at Alabama's football schedule this year, a lot of people have, of course, been critical of it, but the non big non-conference game is against Duke. If you look at the SEC schedule, we always know how difficult it is to be, but as, out of the East, they're playing South Carolina, and of course, they're a uh, regular scheduled game against Tennessee. It seems like as far as getting back to the at least the SEC championship game, the schedule sets up really nicely for Alabama to possibly go undefeated again this year. And I feel like that's probably going to be a big step, too, as far as Alabama getting back to that point is because, you know, it's not to say that the SEC is weak or the SEC West is weak, but it's when you have a schedule like this and knowing that some of your biggest games are at home in Alabama, that's going to be the key for Alabama going through the season like they did last year again. Yeah, what a boring schedule for the fans who pay a lot of money for these tickets. I don't blame Alabama for the Duke game because they don't, a lot of people don't understand how those neutral sites work. Uh, those games are made by ESPN. Mm-hmm. They're made by television. So that's the best opponent that ESPN could get Alabama. Then, I mean, for the second year in a row, it's kind of a snoozer. And we're used to Alabama playing USC or Michigan or Florida State. And then last year they get Louisville without Lamar Jackson. And this year it's going to be Duke. But when you look at it right now, and things change, but how we view this schedule right now, I only see three losable games on this schedule. Um, and, and, and even those, I don't know how realistic they are. But the three losable games, I think, are Texas A&M. They have to go to Kyle Field in College Station. Um, they, they host LSU at home, which LSU should be a good, pretty good football team this year. And then they go to Jordan Hare to play Auburn. And, you know, when Auburn's got a decent football team, that is a very difficult environment for how they want to play in. But other than that, you're right. I mean, those are the only three losable games that I see on that schedule. And then you get, you know, if you advance through that, you're probably playing Georgia again in the SEC championship game. So you're right. And I think that hurt Alabama last year. How dominant they were. 
this is going to get lost because of the, they didn't win a national championship. That was the most dominant season we've ever seen in SEC football, ever. They steamrolled everyone in the regular season. They beat the tar out of them, as you mentioned, too. It didn't play in most fourth quarters. It was the most dominant regular season we've seen in SEC history. But because of that, they didn't really get challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it cost them, you know, toward the end of the season, we saw how Georgia should have won that SEC championship game. And then when they faced some stiff competition in Clemson, they just didn't know how to react. So it, it played against them last year. Um, but we might be saying the same thing this year. Well, that, that was actually going to be my next question because something that I brought up is last year for Alabama almost seemed like a, a good theory or a good proven theory behind losing a game in the regular season can really help you out in postseason play as far as the, the way you get challenged, the way you refocus, the way you get back to things getting on the right track. Do you feel like, just looking at it in hindsight, that if Alabama would have lost a regular season game at some point last year, it would have been a, a different scenario in postseason for them? I think it would have uh, refocused them, certainly. I mean, heck, I'm not talking a loss. If they'd have been challenged, I think they're – I'd have to go back and look. But outside of A&M, which was fairly early in the season, their closest game might have been 22 to nothing against Mississippi State. Right. And Mississippi State had the best defense in the country by every metric. So they just didn't even get challenged. So they didn't have to face adversity that, that every other team in the country had to face until it was basically too late. And, you know, I don't say that everything that losing is good, but you have to have something that tells you that, like Nick Saban said, you have to be humble. The game humbles everyone at some point, and it just didn't seem to do it to Alabama last year until the SEC championship game. But even then, they found a way to come back and win it. And, and then by the time it got to Clemson, that Clemson game such an aberration, um, you know, just the way the whole thing played out. The Alabama stopped Clemson on first and second down, but could not get off the field on third down, and then marches up and down the field and can't score. I mean, that game's so wild. I don't know what you take away from it. But uh, I do think there's some validity to the argument. They, they they could have used the dose of humility be at a loss or reaching down deep having to come back and win in the regular season. They just, just didn't present itself last year. And, and speaking of Clemson, I think that this is something that's been discussed across Sports Talk Radio and everywhere in the SEC especially is about the dynamic between Alabama and Clemson. A lot of people, a lot of people of national media even have said, you know, Clemson's reign has begun. Now they've taken over the Alabama. Now Dabo Sweeney is the better coach over Nick Saban. I mean, you have these people saying these things and talking about these things, which I think you could make some good points. But what do you think about the the point that people are making saying, you know, Dabo Sweeney and Clemson are overtaking Alabama. They're the cool school. They're the place to go. Even though Nick Saban and Alabama, it's still Nick Saban and Alabama. I think it's a convenient argument, and we live in a time now where it's uh, we're very much prisoners of the moment because a lot of the things that are said to be – listen, Clemson and Dabo absolutely deserve the things that are being said about them. They've earned it. Uh, they've won two national championships. They're recruiting at a really high level right now. Uh, this is not taking anything away from them, but the same things that are being said right now about Alabama's being passed and this, you know, Clemson surpassed them – as we said this two years ago when Georgia had that all-world recruiting class. You know, Georgia, they almost you know, nearly knocks off Alabama in the national championship game. They, they won the SEC championship that year, and then they, they signed just an unbelievable, one of the best recruiting classes we've ever seen. And it's, oh, well, well Kirby's going to pass Nick. Georgia, Georgia's deep program in the SEC now. And Georgia's still a good program, 
but it just hasn't happened yet. Listen, um, we were having an interesting debate, and I don't know that it's possible just by the, the term what a dynasty means. Dynasty to me means you only have one, but you could really make an argument right now. We're living in a time with two dynasties, with Alabama having a sustained dynasty since 2008, 2009. Um, but if there can only be one right now, it's, it's Clemson. They're the defending champions. They've won two of the last three. And uh, they're going to start number one in this season. And as much as we talked about Alabama's schedule, the ACC is garbage. The ACC is embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, those coaches set up there three or four years ago, and Jimbo Fisher and Dabo Sweeney told the whole world, the ACC is the best college in college football. What a joke that is now. That is the worst conference in college football. Clemson's not going to get tested unless they go slip up and Syracuse gets them on a random Friday night like we saw a couple years ago. Clemson's not getting tested in the ACC. So they're the team to beat, and I think they're wearing the crown right now, and rightfully so. Aaron Suttles, Alabama beat writer for The Athletic. Really appreciate you hopping on with us, Aaron, man. Have fun this summer, and I'm sure we'll be catching up with you later down the road. All right, my man? All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at RushJohnNeighbors. For any questions, comments, concerns that you may have, and we will keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel. Tomorrow afternoon, have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast.